You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Man, it's so good to be with you guys. Uh, Reality Ventura sends her love to you. We, as a church, we love you guys. We think about you. Uh, we pray for you. We pray for the city. Um, Emily and I, my wife and I, got to stay in town for the last few days, and um, man, we just, we, we love this city, we love this island, and though we don't know many of you, we love you. So thank you for having me, and um, let's get into the Word. We're going to be in John chapter 11, so if you have a Bible or some kind of technology, open it up to John chapter 11. I'm going to be reading and preaching from the NIV today. The title of this sermon is Jesus, Our Hope in the Waiting. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness toward us. None of us knows what tomorrow holds. Many of us today find ourselves... uh, in limbo in some sort, anticipating what's next or when such and such will be resolved. Thank you that we find you there in that place. Thank you that you are intimately acquainted with every single person in this room. You not only know their names, but you know the deep hidden parts of their hearts, some some parts that we don't even realize are there, you, you know are there. And so thank you that you're able to speak to us in a way that only you can. So we invite you to do that. We invite you to speak to us how you want today. Our ears are open. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, just by show of hands, how many of you love waiting for something to happen, like you're waiting for something. You're like, I love it when I have to wait. You like that? Good for you. It's the best. I'm going to let you preach this sermon. Come here, girl. No, that's probably why I have to preach it, because I hate, I hate waiting, right? We hate waiting. Um, and it's not just like a cultural thing, like, oh, America, everything's like fast and instant and fast food and microwave. That's not just because it's a cultural thing. It hurts to wait. It hurts to wait in expectation. My wife and I, uh, we have three kids, and January of last year, so 23 months ago, we finally found our dream house, right? Worst house, best neighborhood, total fixer, like we could do whatever we want to it, and it was a foreclosure, and so we made a, a deal with the bank, put it all on paper, and then we just waited for them to sign the paper 23 months ago. We waited for them to just sign the contract that we had both agreed on. And then some stuff happened, and uh, we kept waiting, and then our landlord, we're renting a house, our landlord said, hey, I'm going to sell the house you're living in. And we were like, oh, dang, that's crazy. I guess it's good timing because we're about to close escrow on this other house, I think. Little time went by. Apparently, there was a problem with the house. There was some problem with the title and foreclosure. Sometimes stuff gets messy. And uh, we kept waiting and kept waiting and kept waiting, and now it's been 23 months, you guys. And we're still waiting. We're still waiting. We don't, at this point, it's like, I don't even know if we're going to end up with this house. Everything is still up 
in the air. We are still waiting. And honestly, I, I had let myself get hopes up, like my hopes up about this place. Uh, I had drawn up plans for the backyard, and we had had designers come in and talk about the remodel. Uh, I knew what door handles we were going to replace the door handles with. You know what I mean? Like, we had done it. We were, like, in. We had expectation. And to be quite frank, uh, because it's been so long, we've started to lose hope, right? Like, of course. We've started to lose hope that this thing's actually going to happen. As Riz shared last week, uh, Rally Honolulu is in the middle of a, an Advent series. If you don't know what Advent is, it's a tradition that we have around Christmas time where we celebrate the coming of Jesus, both that he came 2,000 years ago and that he is coming again, right, when he will establish his kingdom permanently and fully. And so by nature, Advent is about waiting. It was about waiting for the first coming of Jesus, and it is also about waiting for Jesus to return. But Advent is not about waiting uh, with fear or anxiety, like how I'm waiting for this house, right? Like, I don't know. It's not about waiting with uncertainty. It's about waiting with expectation because it has to do with God coming and doing something. And, and the reality is that if we are waiting with certainty and expectation, then that means that there is hope in the waiting, which, like I said, is the title of this sermon, Jesus, Our Hope in the Waiting. 2,000 years ago, Israel was waiting. They were waiting for the Messiah. And they had been waiting for a really, really long time. In fact, God had been speaking to Israel about a coming Messiah, the Savior, for thousands of years. And the Messiah still hadn't come. God didn't say, here's when it's going to happen. He just said that it's going to happen. And so they were waiting and waiting and waiting. But at least while they were waiting, God kept speaking, right? They're like, is this ever going to happen? Is this Messiah ever going to come? Well, I don't know, but at least God's talking to us. And then about the year 430 BC, so 430 years before Jesus was born, God spoke one last time through the prophet Malachi, and then God went silent. And God stopped speaking to his people. And for 430 years, the people of God were waiting, wondering, like, did God forget about us? He always spoke to us, and then he stopped. He stopped speaking 400 years ago. Ten generations. Ten generations went by, and God still hadn't spoken. And that, that's where the birth of Jesus picks up, right? Jesus had not come, Israel waiting. And that's what Advent is about, waiting for Jesus to come. But in the space between Jesus coming, his birth, and then Jesus coming again, is where we find ourselves today. Right here, right now, the space between. And though we are waiting, yes, for Jesus to return, some of us today have showed up and we're like, yo, dude, I'm just waiting for Jesus to show up, like in my life. Like I got stuff right now, right here, that I'm, yes, I'm waiting for Jesus to return, but what about right now? I'm just waiting for Jesus to show up right now. And today I'd like to look at a story of a family who knew this idea of waiting for Jesus all too well. I pray that we can glean some stuff from it. So John chapter 11, uh, we're going to read all the way, and I'm going to skip a few verses, so I'll let you know the, the verses that we're skipping. But starting in verse 1, John chapter 11, a long passage, but we're all adults. I think we can, we can do it, right? John chapter 11, starting in verse 1. 
Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love who is, is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Skip down to uh, 17. I'm sorry, I skipped a verse there. I didn't tell you. Down to 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tube for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, verse 24, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. Verse 31. But the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Jesus, I'm sorry, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews, Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by, by this time there was a bad odor, for he has been there four days. The, the, the old King James says, but Lord, he stinketh. <laughs> Verse 40, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Two more verses. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Then the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to him, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So listen, dude dies, Lazarus, sisters, I'm sorry, he's sick. The sisters say, we got to tell Jesus because Jesus loves them. He's friends with them. We got to tell Jesus so Jesus can come heal our sick brother. Goes, sends word to Jesus. Jesus is with the disciples. He gets word, your friend Lazarus is sick. Come, heal him. Jesus says, I'm going to wait. 
The disciples are like, yo, dude, the dude's sick. He's like, I'm going to wait. He waits two more days. Then he tells them, Lazarus is dead. Shows up, Lazarus has already been dead four days. This is the scene that Jesus shows up in, right? Now, we all knew because of the story that Jesus would eventually show up and move. But what we see up until that point is this family who doesn't know that. Namely, the sisters after their brother dies, and they are waiting. And I guarantee you that they did not like it either. They did not like waiting. And today I want to look at four things from this story that we find in the waiting that I believe God has for us. Number one, I'll say them first and then we'll break them down. Number one, God's moving is not always in our timing. (laughs) Nobody wants to say amen to that. (laughs) Number two, God may not always move how we want or expect him to. Nobody wants to say amen to that either. Number three, God is always working in the waiting. And number four, the I am, our hope in the waiting. I'm going to break them each down. First of all, God's moving is not always in our timing, unfortunately. We see it here in this story. By the time that Jesus finally shows up, Lazarus is not sick anymore. He is dead. And he is not even just like barely died. Like, oh, Jesus, you just missed him. Like, he died and then four days later, Jesus, like the dude is super dead. Jesus isn't just a little late, right? He's super late. He shows up super late. And for Mary and Martha, not only was their brother now dead, but their hopes are now dead, right? Like what? Uh, there's no end. You can't go any further than death. He's dead. Their hopes are dead. They had been waiting and waiting and Jesus didn't show up, and now when he does show up, it's too late for him to do anything, or so they thought. But what they didn't know was there was actually stuff happening that they couldn't see. See, when Jesus got word about Lazarus, he responded by saying in verse 4, this sickness will not end in death. Jesus knew how this would end. He knew what he was going to do. He just didn't tell the people that cared the most about it. He didn't inform anybody what he was going to do. And that's sometimes how it is, right? Like, don't we wish that Jesus would just tell us how it's going to turn out? Unfortunately, he doesn't always give us the game plan. Because I think I'd be a little more down to wait if I knew, well, Dom, here's, here's how it's going to end. It's just going to be a while. I'd be like, all right, dude, at least I have some hope and expectation of it happening, even though I don't know when. At least I know it's going to, but God doesn't always tell us what's going to happen. Sometimes all we get is what Mary and Martha got, silence. And so when they got the silence, all they could see was that Jesus did not come when they thought they needed him most, nor did he even send word to assure them that he was aware of their situation. But we have this vantage point on the other side of history to where we can look and see what Mary and Martha didn't see. What we get to see is that Jesus was not aloof in the waiting. 
He was not disengaged or uninterested or, or procrastinating. He wasn't late. Jesus didn't show up in their timeline on purpose. They thought they were waiting for God's plan to unfold, namely Jesus coming in and healing their brother. But there was something bigger going on, and I want us to take note of this. In the kingdom of God, we are not just waiting for God's plan to unfold. Listen, this is so key. Often waiting is God's plan. Ooh, that hurts, right? Like nobody, nobody's on the freeway like, I'm, I'm just going to be present. There's something here for me in bumper-to-bumper traffic. Nobody does. That's why you're laughing. But the reality is sometimes waiting is God's plan. We're usually so concerned with where we're going or the resolution happening that we can actually miss what God is sometimes trying to do in the waiting. Friend, if you're still waiting for fill-in-the-blank, it's not because God is uh, late It's because I believe he's probably trying to do something in the waiting. If you're still waiting, it's not because God forgot about you. It's because there's something for you there in the waiting. With God, often the journey is the destination. The journey is the destination. And listen, God is just as present, if not more, in the process as he is in the conclusion. And those of us who had to wait And those of us who've gone through like gnarly trials, we get like, man, God is like here in the present and his presence is in the present. It seems like even more so than when everything gets like finally resolved and it's all good. He's there in in the waiting, in the presence. And what we see here is that the waiting and even his silence was not only Jesus' plan, but it was actually a demonstration of his love. It wasn't negligence. It wasn't indifference. It was love. Look at This is so crazy. Verse, verses 5 and 6. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yeah, for sure. So, right, because he loved them, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. That doesn't sound like love to me. Yo, Jesus, if you love me, you're going to show up when I ask. If you love me, you're going to show up when I ask, Lord, in the way that I ask. No. Because he loved them. Because he loves you. He's going to wait sometimes. Jesus wasn't too busy to move in their timing. In his love, he just had different timing of when he was going to move. And he also had a different plan of how he was going to move, which brings us to our second point. God may not always move how we want or expect him to. This is a hard one, man, because I have good plans. Like, I'm a good, I I can put things together. I'm good. I can build things. I'm a good creative person. I know how things should, like, work. I see a problem, and I'm like, this is how it should be fixed. So I'm like, Lord, there's a problem. Here's how to fix it. But God may not always move how we want or expect him to. The expectation was for Jesus to show up and heal Lazarus. That was how they expected it to happen. That's what they asked for. That's what they wanted. 
Jesus could certainly do it. They wanted, expected healing, but Jesus didn't heal Lazarus. He didn't even show up. In fact, when he did show up, he was too late for a healing. However, he was right in time for a resurrection. And that's what I want us to see. While Jesus was too late for a healing, he was right in time for a resurrection. Jesus apparently didn't want to heal Lazarus. Jesus wanted to resurrect Lazarus. And here's what I think somebody needs to hear today is that maybe God doesn't want to give you a healing level miracle. Maybe he wants to give you a resurrection level miracle. Now, I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking it too. Hey, dude, if I could guarantee that God would give me an upgrade from a healing to a resurrection, I'd be down to wait too. I could get my head around the waiting, right? If I could guarantee, oh, Jesus always has like a resurrection in plan instead of a healing, then I, I, would, I would get my head around that because everybody knows it's an upgrade to go from healing to resurrection, right? Like if, if you've got like testimony Sunday at church where everybody's gonna come testify about what God's doing and you're all lined up and then the dude who goes before you gets up and he says, I was dead. I don't care what you have to testify about, go back to your seat. <laughs> Nobody testifies after the dude who was raised from the dead, right? Resurrection is always an upgrade. Well, let me tell you something. God's plan is always an upgrade. It's always better. It is always better, even if you don't like it, even if you can't understand it, it's better because he's God. He's good. He knows what's right and good for us. It is always an upgrade, and it is always a demonstration of his love. But God's economy is different than ours, which means that sometimes the upgrade might look a little bit different than we expected. Sometimes the resurrection may not be a physical one or a monetary one if you're looking for it. Or an upgrade from your last boyfriend to like the spouse he's going to bring you. Sometimes it's not like a human carnal upgrade. Maybe it's a, a spiritual one. It's like a soul level thing that God wants to do. Because God is not just after your healing first. He's actually after your heart first. God is not just after your healing. He is after your heart. He's after, he's after you. He's after me. It's probably why I'm still waiting 23 months later for this house. He's after my heart, right? Did you see, uh, <clears throat> did you see what happened here with, with uh, the sister Mary? Lazarus dies. The brother dies. They tell Jesus. Jesus waits, shows up. And when he shows up, Mary it says in verse 20, did not come out to him. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. You know why I think Mary stayed at home and didn't come greet Jesus? I think she's not happy with Jesus, man. She knew Jesus could have healed her brother. She knew that word got to Jesus about her brother. 
and Jesus did not show up to heal her brother, and now her brother is dead. You love me? I'm not going to come see you. I'm not going to come greet you on the way out. And so Mary did not go out to see him, but rather she stayed at home. This is Mary, man. She loves Jesus. This is the one who poured out her alabaster flask on his feet. This is Mary who, while her sister was slaving away in the kitchen, sat at Jesus' feet hearing his word, doing what Jesus said is the better thing. She loves Mary, or Jesus. Mary loves Jesus, but she kept herself at a distance. Man, I've been there. I've been there, right? It's like, Lord, I, I don't want to, like, I don't want to even look at you right now. I don't know if I can trust you. I certainly don't know if you love me. Why didn't you show up? Doubting, wondering if God's good, wondering if I can trust him. I think this is where Mary found herself. Some of you today are like that. Maybe it was even hard for you to get to church today. You're just like, it just like had to pull yourself out of bed. Showed up reluctant. Holding your coffee and your attitude. (laughs) But Jesus is so patient with us, man. Listen to the father heart of Jesus in verse 28. After she, Martha, had said this, she went back and called her sister, Mary, who was inside, aside. She said to her, the teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. I think this is so important, man. And all of her disappointment, anger, Jesus pursues her with the Father's love. He says, go tell Mary I want to see her. Where's Mary at? Go tell her I want to see her. And this is the first thing Jesus does. This is what he's most concerned. Dude, he's showing up to a scene with a dead guy in a tomb. That's not his first priority. That's not his first priority when he shows up. His first priority, first order of business, where's Mary? He's most concerned with Mary's heart. He is most concerned with Mary's heart because Jesus is always more concerned with your heart than he is your miracle. Listen, Jesus is always more concerned with your heart than he is your miracle. Like any good father, he cares more about your person than he does about the circumstance unfolding a certain way. Don't get me wrong. He does care about your circumstance. He cared about their their circumstance. Obviously, he showed up. But his first priority is your person. And he will often use your situation, whatever it is, okay, what you got right now, whatever that is, use your situation to get to your person. He will use your situation to get to your person. Right now, some of you are standing at a distance, man. You're at a distance. You're like, I don't, you're like Mary. I just, I don't know if I can trust you. I don't, stuff didn't work out the way I thought it would. You haven't come through like I thought you would. You haven't come through when I thought you would. Listen, he may be using your situation, to get to your person. He may be withholding the miracle in order to get to your heart. And when he does it, it is always a gift of his love. And can I tell you from experience that when he shows up in a different way, in a different timing than we expected or wanted, it's still a demonstration of his love. God may not always work how we want, or when we want, 
but he is always working. Which is the third point. God is always working in the waiting. You ever pray to God and it just seems like heaven is silent? That's what happened with Mary and Martha. They sent word to Jesus. Let's call it praying. Jesus got the word, right? He always does. He always hears your words when you pray to him. But what does Jesus do? He did not act or respond as far as they could see. He didn't send word back, hey, I got you. It's going to be a little bit, but I got you. He doesn't get, we don't get that, right? He didn't do that to them. If, they, if he would have just said, hey, go tell them your brother's going to die. Sorry. Your brother's going to die, but I'm going to be there afterwards. I'm going to raise him from the dead. It's going to be awesome. He didn't do that. He, they sent him word. Jesus said, thank you. Sent the messenger back. Didn't tell them anything. What the sisters couldn't see and that what many of us fail to see in the waiting is that Jesus was actually orchestrating something, but we don't get to see it. While they waited, Jesus was working, but we don't get to see it. He wasn't ignoring their situation. He wasn't procrastinating. He was planning. Listen, when, when all you feel is death like these women did, when all you hear is silence, while you are waiting, friends, Jesus is working. Can you just repeat after me? Say, while I am waiting. Okay, this side didn't do it. Everybody, while I am waiting. Jesus is working. Okay, say it like you mean it. Like just embrace it. While I am waiting, Jesus is working. He is orchestrating what needs to be orchestrated in order for his kingdom to come in our lives and in our situation. He is working for his glory and for his purpose, yes, but he is also working for your good. Which means that not only is Jesus working around you, he's working in you too. But that's not fun. It's not fun. It's work. But that's what sanctification feels like. That's what us becoming more and more like Jesus looks like. That, that's what the fire that refines you looks like. That's what the pressure that makes you a beautiful diamond looks like. You know that feeling that kids have when they wake up on Christmas morning and you tell them you're not allowed to open their presents yet? That's what it feels like. It hurts. It hurts. My mom used to, my mom used to work on us at Christmas time, right? There's six kids in the house. So I was in the middle. I'd wake up at like 530. That's what kids do, right? Christmas morning. And my mom had this rule in the house that you weren't allowed to wake up your brothers and sisters if you woke up early, the first one on Christmas morning. You had to wait till everybody woke up naturally, okay? So like you got the teenagers who are like, ugh. They get up at like 9.30, right? Once everybody gets up, the kids would gather around, and my mom would have the littlest kid, my little brother Ty, go get the baby Jesus, little doll, and put him in the empty manger that had been waiting all December, once we put him in the manger, all the kids would gather around. My mom would say, now you guys remember whose birthday it is, right? We'd be like, yeah, all these presents, it's not just about you. It's about Jesus, right? We'd be like, yes, mom. And then she'd make us sing happy birthday to baby Jesus <laughs> in the manger. And then 
She'd be like, let's make breakfast. And she'd make us all hand-make, homemade, like blueberry muffins from scratch, like which is amazing. Any other time of the year, super fun for a kid, but not on Christmas. And then we'd all have to sit down, like the nicest china we had. We didn't have china, but like whatever it was at the table. And then around like 1130, all my other kids on the neighborhood are outside playing with their presents. We'd finally get to open something, right? And then she'd make us go one at a time. Six kids. You get a present. Everybody watch. <laughs> that was, there was no good in that, in, that, like, in that waiting, right? What that felt like was death. That felt like death, no hopeful expectation. But listen, sometimes that's how it feels. It feels like death. That is literally how it felt for these women that day. It felt like death. Jesus had a plan in their situation. And he has a plan for you and your situation. And it's better than yours, but sometimes it's going to feel like death. You want that resurrection level miracle, don't you? You're like, all right, yeah, I've been waiting. I was waiting for Jesus to show up, heal the situation. But like maybe he wants to show up and resurrect the situation. It's going to be even crazier. Okay, you're waiting for that, right? You're waiting for the resurrection. But what is the one prerequisite for resurrection? Death. <laughs> Death is the one prerequisite for resurrection. That's the thing about resurrection. Level miracles, they all require some kind of dying. Jesus had a plan to do something bigger and better than Lazarus could even imagine. But it was going to require him dying first. He wanted to fly above his circumstance. You want to fly above your circumstance. But sometimes flying requires dying. Sometimes in order to get to the glory of resurrection, you have to experience the pain of the dying. And in 99% of our lives, that's not going to be physical death. It's going to be dying to some kind of like desire, just dying to a timeline, dying to self, dying to a, a, a certain expectation we have. The Bible calls this surrender. Death in the life of the Christian usually looks like full and ultimate surrender. The last thing I want us to see in this passage is that in what seemed like a hopeless situation, Jesus showed up and became hope in the situation. Number four, I am our hope in the waiting. Lazarus was sick. What they hoped for was Jesus the healer to show up, but Jesus the healer didn't show up. Instead, what they didn't realize was Jesus was actually not just the healer, he was the healing. When Lazarus died, one might have said, our only hope is for someone to come like Jesus, the resurrector. But Jesus didn't show up as the resurrector, he showed up as the resurrection. See what it said in verse 25? I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. In what seemed like a situation full of sorrow, full of hopelessness and death, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And though you may not see or sense me doing anything, I am, listen, already there in the waiting. Let me say it again. Though you can't see him, church, 
Jesus is in, he's, the, he's in. He's not at the destination. He's in the waiting. He's not just over there when you finally get to the resolution. He is in the waiting. He is in the waiting. Listen. Okay, listen. You got to tune in real quick. I'm going to break this down. It's like this. Hope is like this. Hope has to do with the future. You hope that something will happen in the future. Uh, The dictionary says it like this. Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. So track with me here. The feeling of expectation, hope, is contingent on something good happening in the future, which means that our hope is only as secure as whatever the thing is we're hoping for in the future. Let me say it like this. Our hope is only as stable as the object of our hope. Okay, so try, try this. Try filling in the blank here. I hope that, you, fill in the blank in your brain. I hope that your hope will only ever be as stable as whatever you filled in the blank with. And if it was anything other than the great I am, Jesus, you will always and forever be disappointed. Which is why the psalmist wrote and said the remedy for disappointment in Psalm 42, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Here's the the remedy. Hope in God. You want the remedy for your disappointment? I'm a poster child for disappointment. I'm optimistic. I'm a big dreamer. Poster child for disappointment. You want a remedy for disappointment? Redirect your hope to the only one who cannot disappoint you. We become disappointed because we put our hope in things and people that will, by nature, disappoint us. Namely, everything and everyone. I'm not trying to be a killjoy here, but every person in your life is going to disappoint you at some point. There are single people in this room right now who you're just waiting uh, for the, your, your dream spouse to come along because you think it's, uh, when that happens, everything's going to kind of like, oh, finally. Okay, finally. Everything's just like, okay. Not realizing that that person's going to let you down every day or week of your life. All the married people say, amen. <laughs> That's reality. Nah, I'm going to find somebody different though. I'm a good catch. I let my wife down all the time. All the time. Riz is a good catch. We used to call him the great white hope. Riz is a good catch. He lets Zoe down every week, guaranteed. We look for like the thing. We put our hope in, okay, I just expect finally. No, dude, if it's anything other than Jesus, you're going to be let down. Jesus is not the vehicle that takes you to your desired destination. He is the desired destination. He's not just a huckleberry who gets us to the treasure. He is the treasure, guys. He's not just the one who gets us to the resurrection level miracle. He is the resurrection level miracle. He is it. He is home. He's it. He's my house. He's it. He's your miracle. Jesus is our hope. It's not just Jesus brings hope. Jesus is hope, which is why the psalmist said hope in God if you don't want to be disappointed anymore. I don't want to be disappointed. And just a little confession corner here, I'm disappointed way more often than I want to be or than I feel like I should be. And it's because I so often put my hope in things that will, can, and will disappoint me. 
There is hope in the waiting, not because of what Jesus can do, but what he can be. Let me say it like this. What brought life into the situation that day with Lazarus was not that Jesus had the power to do. It was that he had the power to be. Sometimes when Jesus shows up, he isn't going to do anything, guys. Sometimes he's just going to show up and be with you. I want to say this. Maybe Jesus right now in your situation doesn't want to do anything yet. Maybe he just wants to be in your situation. Are you waiting for something? Can I just encourage you, turn that, that hope to someone? This is what this season is about. It is about being in a place of waiting where we realize God's the only one who can deliver. Israel was waiting for the Messiah. The only one they could expect to, 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 to deliver was God. What's cool, though, is Jesus already came, and he is called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And right now, in this very place, God's presence is here, which means you don't have to wait for him to come back. Right now, we can turn our eyes and our hearts toward him. And I just want to encourage you, if you're found in a place of waiting today, would you just like turn your heart toward Jesus and say, Jesus, can I just find you? Because if you expect Jesus to show up, not do anything, just be, promise you you're never going to be let down. Amen? Pray with me. Jesus, you are the resurrection and the life. You are our hope. But, Lord, it's really hard to take that from, like, good head knowledge to heart knowledge where it becomes, like, a reality for us. <clears throat> and so I'm asking today that you would pour out your spirit in this place and give us power to trust in you. Help the heart in here today who is, has their hope wrapped up in an expectation and maybe all their hopes let down because a certain situation didn't go how they wanted it to. And would you help turn their hearts back to you? And would your presence be enough for us today?